computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z. Joined today by a special guest, Nick Jaylee, my good friend and fellow creative musician filmmaker, here to talk about HBO's new Lakers show, which is a crazy thing to say, winning time. Nick, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well, Tom. How are you? Uh, you know, looking for literally any kind of content to do other than Lakers current basketball. Uh, but I, for fans of the show, this is perfect time for us to to revel in our dynastic, historic greatness. Nick, today we are talking all things winning time. Just the first episode titled The Swan. Uh, this is based on Jeff Perlman's book, Showtime, about this run from the Lakers. So I guess just asking you, are you uh, familiar with the book or the source material at all? Or you just kind of know the story based on NBA history and your fandom of general NBA? Yeah, definitely through following the league. I haven't read the book. I knew some of the story of Dr. Buss acquiring the Lakers and that you know, it, it is just a family business. They talk about that a lot in general when people talk about the Lakers, that right. the, their business is the Lakers. So it's it's fun to see uh, the the beginnings of that in this show. But no, overall, I don't know any of like the details of the deal or really any of the behind the scenes drama that I assume that we're going to see unfold over this season. Right, right. Okay, so that's one end of things. On the filmmaking end of things... You know, we've talked a lot about films on your pod, TV shows. So if this is something we like. This is something we enjoy and nerd out about. Um, where are you at with Adam McKay stuff? Have you seen a lot of his work? He uh, obviously just did Don't Look Up this uh, mm-hmm. just past couple months ago, came out on Netflix. He's co-created uh, the Succession, which has blown up over the last year, The Big Short. Uh, what's your kind of experience with him as a filmmaker? I've seen a lot of his stuff. He seems to make things that are more in my wheelhouse, things that I would be more likely to see. Adam McKay seems to be behind those types of projects. I think that like, uh, I think of him more as like a comedian writer or like a, just like in the comedy world more than drama. But obviously mm-hmm. as his career has unfolded, he's stepped his toes in both pools there. But yeah, when I, when I think of him, I think of like Will Ferrell and those right. films first and foremost. Right. But I, I did see Don't Look Up, and uh, this is way different than Don't Look Up. <laughs> so it's it's kind of impressive, the versatility that he has as a showrunner and creative himself. No, I think so. It is it is different, but I definitely had moments of watching both. For the record, I am I think I'm like low-key don't, don't Look Up is getting too much shit. It's that perfect but it's the thing about his filmmaking style he's very he's very heavy-handed he's definitely not going to let a moment slip away without you taking exactly what he you want away from it uh which is kind of what this show does right with some of the breaking the fourth wall talking to camera which we'll get in i'm gonna go over a little 
um, breakdown of all the story in this first episode. I just wanted to set it up. Yeah, the early career Adam McKay is definitely much different um, as far as a filmmaking style. He seemed to have developed his now trademark in The Big Short, which is very handheld, very almost office comedy-esque um, with timing, you know, pans, zooms, wi- um, wipes, all that stuff. So that plays a lot into this show, Nick. So, so just to get into the rundown, we start somehow with Magic and his HIV diagnosis, I think, him in the hospital. Strange way to me to open a show like this, which tonally was pitched as basketball plus sex equals greatness as in the trailer. Uh, what did you think about how the show opened and set up that tone for the rest of the episode? Yeah, it was interesting. Like the tone of the first scene felt like it was out of like the Friday Night Lights film of 15 Mm -hmm. years ago. Like very shaky cam dramatic, like you're a little fly on the wall in this really big moment in this person's life. But they also, I think they, if, if, if you're going to do that scene, I think they handled it really well for as like as, as heavy-handed as Adam McKay can be, and I have that in my notes as well, so it's heavy-handedness. I think that this was a an eloquent way of telling this part of the story. It was just really interesting to start with this, and then we get into, I don't want to jump to it yet, but that next scene with John C. Riley seems much more in line with the tone of the, the rest of the episode, the show, how it was pitched to us as viewers. But the the beginning five minutes, it... It does pull you into the world in a nice way. I actually tried to rewatch the episode, but I only got halfway through, but I did get to see that first scene again. Yeah. And they, there's a, a nice little balance of cutting to like the television and to other people like they're in the hospital. And it, it really takes you into at least like 1991 and the times and what was being covered and talked about and the overall like mood of that time. But that isn't what the story is about. So again, really interesting choice to start there. What did you think of it? So honestly, I don't completely. So what the scene accomplishes and what the content is as far as the subject matter, like I understand. So what it accomplishes is shows Magic's this big star. We got to take him out the back. He doesn't respond to his first name. He is Magic. He's not Irvin anymore. Um, And then he's also trying to put on this nonchalant smile as he walks through the the clinic as people are looking up at him kind of worried right and he's still trying to project this happiness as long as he can. So it tells you about his character things that most people do know about magic. It's just an interesting choice to me to choose that context of him about to get the diagnosis when we know this show is basically going to, you know, per- traverse his career and that's the end of it. So I wonder if they're trying to do the, this is going to be where it ends and give you an introduction mm. to what this guy became as we see glimpses of how that came to be. I didn't think about that's a good call. I could see the season ending there on that scene. While he has a few things that happen in his career afterwards, this show, we think, is supposed to be focusing on these Showtime 80s Lakers. So that, in a way, does feel kind of like the end of that era. And so, yeah, it might be an appropriate place to stop this show, but to start it, 
Interesting right. choice. It's definitely interesting. And then like we get the credits, which again, okay. So I want to give Adam McKay his credit. He's made a lot of things I enjoy quite a bit. I think Succession is has become a really, really interesting show. Um, this is a guy who's like raised in Massachusetts making a Lakers show. I just have to say it. I just have to say it. So the opening credits look like somebody who's just not from Los Angeles. It's like the outsider's view of like people on the beach and like, oh, there's nice cars. And, and there's an element of the sunshine and the glamour of LA and people not caring about sports that's set up in the credits. Uh, the song there is from a group called The Coop, which from Oakland, like, come on. It's not, is this that hard? Like there, Ice-T was rapping from LA around this time. Could we get an LA artist in here some way? I don't know. Maybe this is kind of a, me being nitpicky, but it just felt the credits didn't do it for me. That's all I want to say about the credits. We move into that Jerry Buss monologue that she said uh, kind of sets up the show in the trailer. What we, a great we, we, choice. We have to jump back to the opening credits. Okay. One thing okay. about the, the guy just smoking crack. <laughs> There's a lot of very random imagery is kind of why I don't love it. It's like, oh, yeah, just to remind you, like when in America this was like, I don't fucking care about the crack epidemic as a context for like a basketball show. Yeah. Uh, weird. Weird. Strange I, choices. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, huh, that, that, that doesn't seem to fit. I feel like this should be like an intro to some detective show, you know? Like yeah. There's like troops. There's like war. There's random cuts in there. It's yeah. I'll get to who I compare some of these random cuts to later. It's, it's pretty funny, um, but great opening Jerry Buss monologue uh, showing how John C. Riley is the perfect choice for this casting. And one of the reasons I think when the show works is partly because of him and his charisma mixed with kind of a swashbuckling, you know, cool new type of owner that Jerry Buss has kind of represented. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's just one of the things that came out of this show the best to me was him however the first 10 minutes of this show he's looking to camera every other line and it chops up the flow and the uh suspension of disbelief for me how do you think that breaking the fourth wall lands in in some of those charismatic but also let me you know tell you some exposition really quick moments It works and it doesn't work, which is not a very good answer. That's I know this is a polarizing uh, thing that we do here, podcasting. But overall, once I was past the, oh, this is really weird, I didn't mind it because it does give context to what what's being said in the room. And maybe for viewers that aren't as sharp as you and I, they need that a little bit early on. We'll see if it continues at this rate. If it does this the entire time, uh, I'm probably out. But overall, if this is going to be your storytelling device, if it's going to be done like with a wink and a nod, I'm okay with it. But it, it, it was too much, especially, yeah, there early on. And it, it was just really heavy handed with a lot of the things that it was saying too. Like it, you know, immediately just goes into like sexism and racism in a very, very, very direct way, breaking the fourth wall. And 
again, like you said, Adam McKay can be heavy handed, but I don't know again, if it was necessary to tell this story. Yeah. See, this is the bigger point as we get to talking over the overall show and like kind of the filmmaking element is, you know, on the, it's called the forum. It's kind of their post show where Rick Fox asked um, Quincy Isaiah and Adam McKay and, and one of the head writers, show creators, you know, about questions about the show. And Adam McKay is talking about the different kinds of cameras that are visually represented and how it is all over the place, Nick, 35 millimeter digital. It's going to be digital with like a, a filter on it, or it's going to be old school 70s style cameras. It's all over the place. And one of Adam McKay's justifications for that was the audiences are intelligent. The audiences are way smarter than we give them credit for. And then his storytelling technique is to not let you miss a single nuance. He's slapping you in the face with nuance. And part of that is like, look how charismatic Jerry Buss is. This isn't just some owner who's, you know, just trying to make a buck or two. He wants to have fun. He's cool. And mm-hmm. it smacks and, and, you in the face. And he's not racist. Right. Yeah. He's yeah, exactly. He doesn't care if you're black, white, or polka dot. Um, yeah. The other two owners that we see in this first episode, both old racist white men. Yes. Jack and, Kent Cook, misnames out Kareem. Mm-hmm. Among uh, other things. I mean, the oh, dinner with Matt. Yeah, Magic yes. and his dad there. Yeah. Calls Magic Boy. Yeah, it's terrible. And then and we had Donald Sterling. Uh, yes appearance interesting choice i mean that's not accidental um and yeah that's that's a moment i'll talk about when we get there they're clearly like bigger nba fans bringing up other nba drama and scuttlebutt for hoops heads who are in the know like when Mm -hmm. he feels magic's arm like that's kind of a little you know like a nod to that blake griffin piece and yep. the whites only party. Um, so that was kind of fun, uh, but also strange, random flyby you know, appearance from Donald <laughs> Serling in the show. Uh, so, sorry, I'm jumping ahead on you. You can, no, you can you're go good, back man. here. We want to keep this loose. We don't want to just recap the whole episode, but I do want to talk about how these beats go into each other because that's what gets, that's what excites me. Um, there's, you know, Magic Johnson character intro scene. Uh, where he talks about, you know, he's he's charming. He likes the attention, but he's also from this religious background. So it's kind of an interesting balance there. You know, we get a cookie scene where she basically leaves him. And we, of course, we know that's his longtime mm-hmm. girlfriend and wife now. But, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see that side of him portrayed. Um, and then it goes into the amazing scene of Jerry West just you know, coming down from hot take mountain. So like, he's too fucking tall. Um, and, and Jerry Buzz with the great uh, response. It was like, that's a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then Jerry West coming back with the, he's a, he's a walking turnover. It's kind of, you know, a bad, bad, really bad take. in in retrospect, what did you think about the Jason Clark throwing a hundred miles an hour in this performance? I loved it. By far, my favorite character of the first episode was the Jerry West character. I loved the profanity, like the physical comedy of actually breaking the golf rod there. And I mean, yeah, 
clearly not the right choice, but we, we know what's going to happen. It's just fun to see like, what would be the argument against picking magic Johnson? You know, he's basically playing that role of if it wasn't going to be him, why wouldn't it be him? And these like outdated ways of thinking about basketball that even in, you know, 10 years, we'll look at the way we look at basketball right now and be like, Oh, that was outdated. You know, it, it always changes. But uh, yeah, I've really loved that little golf trio. And it, again, also it adds to Dr. Buss's character, the way he's just very casual, not really poking too much, just letting Jerry tell him exactly why not. You know, he's like, man, I, I should just hire you. Uh, you Masai Ujiri. Ugh. <laughs> I should just hire Masai Ujiri and he'll uh, pick him immediately because he's 6'9". I mean, that would have been a good pick. Um, it, part of what I love about that scene and kind of Jerry Buss's relationship with a lot of these people is he's like a weird kind of positive manipulator. Like, Jerry, like, dude, I'm hearing you out. Like, but the subtext is like, there's no way you're convincing me to not take Magic Johnson. Mm -hmm. But like, do your thing. Like, dude, blow off your steam. Like, let me have it. And that's his kind of attitude is like, no, let me have it. Like, I want to hear you. And on the off chance, you can convince him, but there's no chance. He's taking Magic. And there's no argument that Bust even kind of entertains throughout the show. Right. He's hears it from different people. Jerry West is out here making his own like crunch time stats. Then Sidney Moncrief is the real clutch performer. I know what it takes. Do you know <laughs> what it takes to lose six times in the finals? I thought they captured all of that. It may be slight, obviously exaggerated, but I mm -hmm. thought that is coming from a place of the competitive fire that Jerry West is known for. Uh, you can see how someone like Magic, who doesn't, you know, live or die by the the outcome of the game, how that might rub him the wrong way. So it's kind of an interesting old heads, new heads clashing there where, yeah, I mean, modern NBA, we like to see these guys smile and have fun and be competitive to the bone, right? Yeah. And that was his third reason for not wanting him is he smiles too much. Just incredible take from Jerry uh, in this, in this episode. Imagine wanting less magic Johnson smile in your life. Honestly. And that's where Jerry Buss sticking to his guns. Just like, yeah, I mean, go off King, but it's, this is showtime. You know, he knew, he knew he had the vision and uh, it's not even necessarily a basketball thing, right? The person, the personality thing is what he helped draw from, you know, and influence the league for, for generations to come. Um, but moving on here, I had, I had to ask you this. Okay. Norm Nixon thinking it's his team to the ladies in the nail. How do the ladies in the nail salon just like, how are they Wojan shops? They're like, just man, I'm roasting them. They're roasting them, but they're like, that's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing scuttlebutt that you're going to the Lakers. <laughs> like what? That's, crazy to me that these women in a nail salon are just like like riffing off nba rumor mill they're plugged in you know they they developed the friendships over a long time you know some just some people in the front office maybe they'll be a gm someday it'll pay off you just rub elbows you have conversations and soon enough yeah you're the you're the first shams 
big flex from uh, Devon Nixon, who is actually Norm Nixon's son and has been a working actor since the early 90s. Um, So actually Norm Nixon's son playing Norm Nixon and kind of set up as a secondary heel foil for magic and the the other bad guy of this episode um him just kind of being an established good guard and we'll get to the one-on-one game later but you know, it's just a nice setup from him uh and then we go into a nice little kareem setup here where he's filming airplane producers yeah. don't think he's good where's oj was oj not available <laughs> just incredible small little moments like that are kind of why i like this show even though it it has a lot of warts uh, in this first episode. Just kind of those offbeat small moments where the producers are just like, and the kid's like, hey, you're actually my favorite player. And Kareem is just like, fuck off, kid. That's part of the episode. <laughs> those 30 seconds when he walks over and he's like, I'm trying to channel like my like inner warmth. You know, yeah. like he literally says he's like trying to, you know, channel that nice part inside of him. The kid's like, you're my favorite. And he's like, fuck off. Like a really interesting career from Kareem was we know him now as this very wise, pragmatic kind of sage like character. Mm-hmm. But he was definitely not seen that way when he was playing. He was an asshole and had the rumor to be difficult to work with. Um so it's funny to see a character trying to find like enlightenment and but not being there quite yet and knowing mm-hmm. what he becomes because it's based on a real person. So I found that interesting. I it kind of plays as like really, really exaggeratedly terrible, where I don't know if he would have told the child to fuck off, but I also don't know if that was based in the book because I don't remember. Then we have this meeting with Jack uh, Kent Cook and Dr. Bus and and the Johnsons. What, probably my favorite scene in the show um, because of the dynamics of Jerry Bus trying to, to cool things down as Cook is being racist and and you know just ignorant, and then mm-hmm. uh, uh, Johnson Senior kind of you know playing cool and and him and. But bus bonding over being working men. I really enjoyed that. And then magic coming off the top rope with like, no, pay me, like pay me like that white dude in Boston energy. He's not wrong. Have you ever <laughs> had that dish? What were they eating? What was the name of that fried? No, dish? I've never heard of that. Um, something beds. I don't know. Is that, is that like a true story or is this part exaggerated? I'd, I'd like to know if that particular part was true. Like if they, Got served some crazy food. It seems too specific to not be true, right? I'd think so. And then going with the cheeseburger instead. Dr. Bus is my kind of guy. I'm a cheeseburger kind of guy. Absolutely. And just how he plays that whole situation, I found really entertaining. Again, the John C. Riley charisma mixed with a kind of like dirtiness, you know, like willingness to get you know, to do whatever it takes, and but have a good time while doing it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Also really love the, like in the next scene, Jerry West leaking to the press, they're going to take Sidney Moncrief. Mm-hmm. Like already, like back then we knew like guys are manipulating the media to get their intended outcome, right? Mm-hmm. Put pressure on people to, uh, you know, to take the guy that you want. Just a lot of subtle hints at where the league is going. Uh, mixed up into this episode. That's a great point. And, and I do know that Adam McKay himself is a big basketball fan. Yeah. Like this isn't just some project that was thrown to him and he's a good creator. He actually like sought out this project. And so I, I expect a lot of good little nuggets in there. Like we get that even like short clip of the Iceman, you know, a little highlight of an actor playing him and it's it's not brought up or anything, but it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. George Gervin, he's he's around. That's right. Yeah, I'm excited to get to some of the more basketball scenes. Uh, even though it's 80s basketball, there's an element of like slower pace to it. Mm-hmm. I think they how some of those scenes are filmed, even in the intro sequence, is is pretty awesome. And I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, like you get to the the creepy Donald Sterling introduction, like you mentioned, uh, a whites only party, like nodding at like you said, a greater basketball fan than just a Lakers fan. Um, and then we get this, you know, Norm Nixon, Magic Johnson showdown, which anyone who's ever like you ever go to a thing and you're kind of dressed up, but like there's a hoop in the backyard, you start shooting a couple and it's casual. And then someone takes off one piece of clothing and like, it's fucking on. And then you got to take your jacket off. You're going to, you know what I mean? You're going to like pull up your short, your pants, like tighten that belt a little bit. It's so funny to me because you saw immediately where this is going. This isn't just like a casual, like let's play a horse. Not at all. And you're, you're also at that point, like committing to be really, really sweaty. You're like, yes. okay, 
like for the rest of the night, I'm I'm going to pay the price for this decision I'm about to make, but ball is life. So obviously you make the choice to, to play, but man, playing in like hard sole dress shoes, what's worse. And those are like late seventies, hard sole dress shoes. Yeah. Like they had like lifts on their athletic shoes. Weren't good at that point. Yeah, exactly. So what did you think about that one-on-one scene? Like how was the, the basketball of it for you? Oh, I had that question for you. I, I didn't mind it. A few too many cuts for me. Yeah. Like it seemed like they were editing around it. I would like just, you know, give me a long static shot for at least a possession or two and let the actors act. And hopefully they make a couple shots when they do it. But I thought the basketball worked. I'm not, I'm not going to be too hard on it. You, you just can't be. Would it, okay. Tell me this. Would you rather have great basketball, but the acting would suffer? Or we're going to get great acting, but the basketball suffers a little bit. If if it's if it's good basketball, bad acting, I think there's a formula where you do you show so much of the game that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in this sequence, I think it's forgivable because, like you said, they're not in athletic wear, and it's kind of like a, a dick swinging contest rather than basketball. Like it's psychological what Norm Nixon does, sure. not necessarily like you know, I just beat you up and crossed you over. And even though he does, which is, you know, it's kind of a rough move. Not exactly like he just falls down. Not a great, like I broke him off move, which, mm-hmm. you know, could have sold it a little better. Although um, Nixon did have one possession where he, he dribbled a little bit and then stepped to the side and, and made a jump shot that looked pretty clean. I was like, that looks like basketball. That Okay. There's that one shot. I'm good with it. But you know what I notice? I feel, and I really believe this. I really think they lowered the rims. I, I would believe that. Yeah, to make them appear a little bit taller as well. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Again, it's, you know, it's do what fine. you have to do. It's here, I'll, I'll, I'll pose this question in a, in a different way. Follow me here. So like in Armageddon, they <laughs> teach a bunch of oil drillers how to be astronauts. Yes. When they could have just taught astronauts how to be oil drillers. Do you okay. think when casting for these types of roles, do you think you would rather teach an actor how to play basketball or a basketball player how to act? What okay. do you think was like the right decision? Basing my go? answer strictly on the Hustle trailer featuring Juancho Hernan Gomez. Mm-hmm. Just on the trailer, I'm going to say, if you teach a basketball player how to act, they have to be a superstar. Wancho is not good enough to translate great basketball, even though he is technically a professional Mm -hmm. and the acting looks very bad just from the trailer. And again, I know I'm judging a trailer, but I can see it. I can see it in the cuts. He doesn't have a fucking line in the whole trailer. (laughs) Yeah. He just looks really serious. The same look, the whole fucking trailer. Okay. Anyway. So like he got game. That passes the test because yes. you got Ray Allen, superstar. Yes. And the okay. acting warts are covered by the basketball scenes in that being so good. Yep. And Denzel being on in the frame as well. Yeah. And always, always makes a movie better. Making, yeah, using his vision to tell a very captivating story. Mm-hmm. So it all works together. In this situation, again, they're not on the court yet. I think the basketball is supremely important but i recognize 
this show is not primarily about the basketball on the court. It's about all the other moving parts we didn't all know about. Right. It's one, you know, you're not just going to recreate an entire game and to just to get like new angles. Because these things happened, right? You're not performing to, you're, you're recreating something. So I think the acting is, in this situation, is probably more important based on what this show is going to be. Yeah, I didn't know if they were, and I guess it's still to be seen, if they're going to splice in actual footage, like on a television, and then jump back and it's like the actors, kind of how they did with Season on the Brink, the ESPN show that mm-hmm. like dramatized the Bobby Knight Indiana basketball team. They jumped back and forth between like the actors on the court and then actual like game footage. I don't think they'll do actual game footage. I don't think they will either. I think they're just going to pick those big moments and recreate them. Which is cool. The lighting's cool. Like the sets are cool. The Uh, forum looks great. Yeah. Forum does look great. And that's kind of a great, you know, before we get to the the ending of, of magic kind of embracing that moment being you know taking in that site mm-hmm. you can see why it's intoxicating on some levels but uh really quick just to kind of wrap up the rest of the episode um you know this is the lowest low for our characters jerry's gonna get a loan from his ex-wife magic's doubting his abilities and Irvin senior just coming off again the top rope with an amazing inspirational dad speech um mm-hmm. great moment of heart from him there it's kind of what I wanted from this episode, maybe a little bit sooner was that dad relationship. And then they go into kind of like the magic narrating himself, play basketball as we all did it when we were kids and the dad teaching him. Oh, were we, uh, were we supposed to stop narrating ourselves playing basketball? <laughs> no, man, you're still waste basketing like three, two, one, Kobe, you know, Naturally. and we all want to hit the game winner, right? Absolutely. You got to count it down to make sure they know you got it off in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Review. Twirling the finger in the <laughs> air right now. This is not a visual medium. Uh, so Jack Kent Cook tries to screw over Jerry Buss. Uh, Dr. Jerry Buss, as he reminds us, um, and gives a great kind of swan analogy. I really appreciated that visual of him walking into the mansion with the swans and then the hard mm-hmm. like pull into the water with the chaos. That is where Adam McKay's style is so good. And not like the heavy handedness is just like a, a uniqueness to me. Great point. The only thing I was going to say about this scene is that I'm glad it happened. Cause if this were a, like a Netflix show, this would have been the beginning of episode two. Mm-hmm. They would have like left you on the cliffhanger. Like, Ooh, is he going to, it's just like, that's come true. on like we is, know is dr bus gonna acquire the lakers is it yeah come on <laughs> keep it moving that's true that's true so it does move and he does acquire the team by the end but it takes him some some you know chickening if you will he he calls out um uh jack kent cook and says you're in you know worse position than me i think i can hold out basically and for the first time in a while in this kind of sequence, he starts talking back to the camera because there was a long sequence. We just went over where there was none of that. Mm -hmm. So it seemed to have been peppered in, in certain areas of the show instead of like consistently throughout, which made me almost forget about it. And I was like in really hard by this scene. And then it kind of took me out of it a little bit again, but 
it's you know it's the first episode of a new show i'm feeling my way through it um and then at the end dr bus convincing magic to not go back to school and this goes back to the positive manipulator thing where he hears magic out and he's like okay yeah like good luck to you man you know what's in your heart and then like hold on let me just uh you know fuck off over here while i leave you to check out the forum in the locker room and we even had your 32 made up i love the shot of him looking at it and it's reflecting like that gold light like a pulp fiction briefcase oh god that was my favorite shot (laughs) but no it's like i know i know (laughs) it it looks really cool with the 70s kind of color scheme that's going on they're kind of washedness of the uh the visuals Mm -hmm. um (laughs) dr buzz going like this is jerry he missed this shot it's like just incredible just like like the lakers went all in on fuck jerry west like when this started getting produced it's it's amazing another drive-by of jerry west mm-hmm. well you, you figure they had a maybe get a few people on board and probably one of those was genie bus so the buses are gonna look i think all right in this show and they're probably like hey can we like exaggerate you know jerry west a little bit and she's like what, 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 what do you mean and they're like well like you know how he's like kind of tough to deal with and he swears a little bit what if like he's impossible to deal with and like every <laughs> single sentence that he says as a as a preventer are, are we cool with this we're gonna make the genie bust character really likable like she's right. gonna be wearing a ram shirt her first scene she's gonna that. she's gonna know everything about the nba you're gonna love that character. She doesn't want a silver spoon. She wants to work for it. Yeah, we didn't mm-hmm. genie. She's not in a lot of this. No, but she does. Yes, come off as the hardworking. I'm not just my dad's daughter. Energy, which I think we all kind of respect her for and recognize her for that. But um, yes, no, no buses are gonna be improperly portrayed in this depiction. Maybe maybe we'll get a a gym bus like drive by. Yeah, definitely possible. He's probably just be some like asshole brother stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna have brother shit. Have him at a you know how they had Norm Nixon at beauty salon. They'll have gym bus somewhere, just right. ridiculous. They'll just put him in a really interesting setting and have him like answer a phone. That's probably true. Um, or probably Jerry Bust just like giving him some money to like leave him alone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot of little like there's gonna be a lot of these small moments throughout this show that I'm gonna be hyper fixated on and want the show to be about. <laughs> there's magic and Kareem, and yeah, there's so many other characters we haven't even met on the show. We haven't met Pat Riley, we haven't met Paul Westhead. We're still Jerry West is the coach. Uh, and by the end of the episode, he throws his finals MVP out of the window. And as Jerry, Dr. Jerry Buss is like, I fucking own this uh, in a in a drunken celebration of being the new Lakers owner. And that was the first episode of winning time, Nick. Would, would uh, you act any differently? That is you- what I wanted to bring up is how relatable that was <laughs> as as just a moment where I'd be like sitting, like if I bought the Lakers tomorrow, I would like take a nap in LeBron's locker. 
and he'd find me like hungover and be like, sorry, dude, like my bad. I just couldn't help myself. Is this before or after you buy out Westbrook? No, comment. That's we're talking about the 1980s <laughs> Lakers. Sorry, I'm sorry. So unless his parents meet at the forum somewhere, I'm uninterested in this storyline. I'm sorry. This is a sore subject. Back, back to the show. Nope, that was the first episode, Nick. What did what did I miss? What what did we not talk about that warrants bringing up here? Was the coin toss rigged? Well, um, considering they couldn't find a coin, hmm. it mm-hmm. strikes me as they're too incompetent to fix it. Because it was Chicago. Ooh. Michael Jordan is in the other. Or no, Michael Jordan's not there yet. Excuse me. This is in the 80, uh, 1980. So I don't know. I still feel like they probably wanted him to go to L.A., but. Yeah, it just, again, strikes me as Larry O'Brien's too much incompetence. That's fair. I just, you know, I got to get a little dig in here at you. Why not? That's fine. I mean, it's still just funny to me that they're flipping a coin on like a three-way phone call. It's amazing. It shows like where the league is at that point. They show that too during like the like uh, little showing of like the draft that's going on there. Right. Like it, it's just not that many people there. There's no televisions or graphics. And now it's, I mean, a huge deal. Right. Even that tone, like that comes out right before. I mean, iconic tone. You hear that. You just turn like, who's being picked. Yeah. I mean, that's how we've been conditioned, even though you already know, because we'll just tweeted it um, like five minutes before the actual pick. Uh. Are there any other actors or anyone else you want to bring up? I I wanted to bring up Gabby Hoffman as Claire Rothman and just mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, like the weird misogyny they're trying to point to, but she overcomes it or, or uh, what's the word? Like succumbs to it because that's just life. I don't know. Seems a little distracting for me. Yeah, and and the scene of like the, the other actress, she's like pulling down her shirt and she's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like trying to keep my job, and it's like, "Oh, we get it. Like, it, the workplace environment wasn't good then. It, it, you know what? It isn't probably even good now." Yeah. Like, I, I guess though that like honestly, Tom, people probably need to see that. Not necessarily you and I, but. Some people maybe need the heavy handedness on some of those things because subtlety hasn't gotten through. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a little much. Well, again, we'll see how it goes. The, the episode did also start after, like, once we were with Dr. Bus, we're in the Playboy Mansion, yes, in a room full of like 40 naked people, yes, like 99% of them female in this case. And that's the thing that I guess, like period pieces have to reconcile with how they're going to portray uh, antiquated race and uh, gender stereotypes. Yeah. There's just a way to shoot that scene without actually showing the naked people. But you as a viewer could know that that room's full of naked people. Like it seems a little lazy and also just 
not in line with the message that it's trying to say later on. No, it's just doesn't find feel like it has a place in this show. And you know, things content that tries to say a lot all at once, sometimes everything. Mm-hmm. And for something like this, it's just like I don't need you to make Jerry Buss a hero because he's not a misogynist. Yeah. Or he's like less of a misogynist. Um, because that's in, in practice, what they're using to help you, to help the audience be on his side and be a protagonist. Definitely. Um, So just those things, like it it doesn't ruin the show, but it, if I can see they're going to continue down this road, probably with magic and his, you know, various sexual exploits. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not super excited in the portrayal of these things because I don't find them particularly relevant. Um, and maybe they find a way to surprise me. I am open-minded, but I hope this continues to focus on showing us the personalities of these people and the hidden dynamics that weren't necessarily obvious, even in the book. Um, yeah. So the nuances of a performance will capture people's relationships a lot better than, you know, like word description of it. I'm just, I'm excited to see some basketball. That's what I can't wait to see. The old uniforms, all all of it, like the scorekeepers, the the shot clocks. I I want it all. Apparently there's a guy caught cast as Rod Stewart. So we might see some alt casting celeb appearances. Amazing. In for all of those as well. So stay, uh, stay in touch, stay in touch with the show, Nick. We're going to keep potting about this. Tim is out here watching hundreds of basketball, college basketball to get his March Madness bracket. Poor guy. B-ball index. So he's breaking down like random offenses, like South Dakota state and this and that. So he was too busy to watch this. We're going to try and get him caught up and on another one of these, but it's a good time to have something else to talk about in Lakerland, Nick. So I appreciate you hopping on with me and I will throw up the, the magic symbol in the air as the Batman comes out this week, the smiling magic Johnson spotlight to, uh, to assemble you next time, buddy. Hey man, I appreciate you having me. Let's uh, let's say here, what you guys have 17 championships. Yes. All right. How, how many championships out of 17 are you giving this episode? Um, I would give this like 11 championships. Maybe okay. 12 for reasons. I'm right around there as well. I was going to say, yeah, like 10 and a half, 11. Yeah. So basically but, everything up until the Kobe dynasty. Right. Right. Or the 12 LA championships, as some people call it. Um, however you want to cut that up. I liked it. I There's like from a filmmaking standpoint, a lot of weird shit in it to me, but it's definitely trying to have a style, which I always respect whether it lands or not is another matter. Um, the casting so far seems pretty on point. Um, yeah. I'm excited to keep watching this. As am I, man, I appreciate you having me on yeah. and, uh, Hey Tim, uh, let me know if uh, Kansas is going to win the championship. I'd like to know that. So you need to subscribe to the B-ball index for that, uh, proprietary information, buddy. That's a great plug. All right, dude. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you next time. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.